So we are in a series uh, called Strengthen Our Foundations. And it's one that this Sunday, for me, and it'll be connected to next Sunday, is the central message of our series. And we're going to be going to another passage in Ephesians 4 here in a little while. But the reason that I've had this image of this ancient building of ruins is because this is uh, a, an ancient ruin, a building that's still partially standing in the city of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And this city of Ephesus uh, was a thriving uh, city of all kinds of trade. It was a port city, and so there's a lot of trade and economy there. And, and uh, this building that uh, you see here uh, is... Uh, called the Library of Ephesus. It was built in 115 uh, AD. And, and if you could tour that city, I haven't done it. I hope I get to. Uh, it's kind of on my bucket list there. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of ruins and so forth. But the Apostle Paul visited this city twice. And, and the second time, he was lived there for like three and a half years. So the Christian community there really thrived and grew and impacted the early church world. And the letter of Ephesus, if you've read it, you, it's one of your favorites. It's usually one of some everybody's favorites. It's just an amazing uh, letter with prayers in it and teachings in it. And it's so good. And it was a letter that was circulated uh, instantly. It wasn't just for that city. And... Um, so that's why I've, I've chosen this image, because it relates to our central passage about strengthening, strengthening our foundations. And so our subtitle for this particular message is that Jesus is our builder. And, and I'm really hoping, asking the Lord to bring this out, that we're really going to focus on Jesus on, and who he is and what he's like. And we're going to look at five titles, descriptive titles about Jesus and who he is and what he's like. And so, in Ephesians chapter 4, it starts off uh, about unity. And that's one of Paul's repeated themes. And he's saying, hey, we're, we have one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And so, he doesn't want uh, his, his, the believers, the family of God to get fractured. And, 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 uh, and so, he addresses that. And then at verse 7 is where I would normally start reading. But I've decided to do it backwards today. Instead of starting at the beginning of the passage of verse 7, I want to start in the middle of the passage of verse 13. So right before here I'll start, let's just say a, a, a prayer before the Lord. Father, we're asking, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit continue to speak to me as I get into your word here. And, uh, and speak through, uh, through me. But Lord, may all of our ears be open to you and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. And so in verse 13, uh, I'm going to be reading basically the number one goal, the number one hope of all eldership teams of any local church. I'm going to uh, describe to you in these next four verses the vision, really, that all church leadership have for their church family. And it starts like this in verse 13. 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So there is in this hope of the Apostle Paul being the church leader that he was, a a goal that, hey, we can mature and we can have the stature growing in measure even to the into the fullness of Christ. Wow, that's that's a that's a big statement. That's a very hopeful that should rise our eyes up to the fullness of Christ, who's full of grace and truth, who's perfect and mature in every way. And yes, our faith needs to point toward growing in this fullness. Verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, the trickier men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Isn't that true? Isn't that good? Isn't that a real danger today that there are directions of religions and teachings going in so many directions that we don't want to be, um, you know, chasing everything that's out there? We really need a stability and stability growth under the Lord. Well, we're finding out today how to get that stability in Christ and not have this feeling of being affected by everything that comes our way. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all, in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You know, little kids, and I remember my twins, Paul and Daniel, they were like this, bodies uh, as, as little uh, toddlers and four or five-year-olds, their heads are just bigger than their bodies. It looked out of proportion. And they had these little bodies and these big heads. Well, as you mature, your body grows up into your head and it, it, the spaces all fill out and your, your proportions fill out and it all works as you mature. And so this is what God wants. He's looking for us that our bodies mature into Christ the head. That we can grow up. Verse 16. From whom the whole body be, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So there is this vision from the Apostle Paul that we would grow and this growth would be building us up in love. So how does this happen? How does this fullness in Christ actually start coming about? How do, how do we become stable in the Lord and, and how do we grow up into him who's ahead? Well, we've got to read those other verses. So let's jump up to verse 7 through 12. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also. He who ascended far above all heavens, so that he might fill all things. So what we're seeing is that the work of Christ, of him dying on the cross, and then him uh, uh, descending and defeating 
the grave and death and sin. And when he ascended back to heaven, he's distributing gifts. Verse, but each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So each one of us is given gifts as, as from himself, as he uh, ascended and took his place back in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, he distributed gifts from himself. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So we have these kind of five areas of ministry. All of them are critical. And these five giftings he gives out, and one interpretation and way to look at this passage is, is to say these are the leaders in the body of Christ. And you may have heard the word offices here, that there's the office of the apostle, the office of the prophet, or of office of the evangelist, pastor, teacher. And that's okay, and I don't argue with that. But the word office is not in this passage, and you won't find it somewhere else in the New Testament. It's, so I don't feel like that idea of the office of something is really the only way to look at this passage. It said there, like I said, that there is, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So each one of us is given a grace of giftings here. So you'll find it in a small group. No one's uh, signed up to be the evangelist, but if you know your small group members, you know somebody has that gift really sticks out in their life, or someone has a shepherding heart, pastoral gift, and you know that about that in the small group, and they function that way in my own family, in your family. If you think about it, you know who these gifts really lie in and which is stronger. Usually we might have one that we're really uh, uh, lean toward and then have a secondary one, and, and so it's not just one gift. But these gifts are distributed to all of us so that what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the service, so we can learn from one another. So we can watch and be inspired from one another. So we can be equipped, not just from those who are teaching uh, from the Word of God, but we, we learn from one another on, on a regular basis to building up the whole body of Christ. You, wanna, you don't want to just wait till Sunday morning I get up here to teach something. You're learning all week long from the Spirit of God and from one another. And so these five critical areas or actually gifts from Jesus Christ. They're actually revealing who he is. The, the key components, the key cornerstones of the body of Christ are these areas. And he's, he's the apostle. Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is the evangelist. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the master teacher. And we're going to focus on him this morning. On who he is out of these five descriptive titles of who he is and what he's like. We're going to first look at, they're going to, we're going to do the same order that is listed here. I, I don't know how the order, I don't have a strong conviction the order means something per se. But the apostle is one that oversees the other and brings the others together. In fact, in your hand, the, the apostolic giftings, it's like a leadership gift. 
Uh, you'll see that in a small group or a group of friends. That, that person always leads out in leadership and is connecting and putting things together. It's a leadership gift. It's an apostolic type gift. And your thumb is like that. Your thumb can touch all the other fingers. You don't have fingers that can touch everything, do you? That can connect it together. So in your hand, you have the apostle. You have the, the prophets that's pinpointing something specifically from the Lord. You've got the evangelist sticking out farther than the other finger. You've got the ring finger, which is the shepherd, the pastor married to the church. And then you have the pinky finger, that teacher that gets into the details and the depth of the word of God. So your hand will remind you about the functions of these giftings from God. So the apostle, let's just go to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And, you know, what does uh, apostolic gifts look like? What is, what is, you know, it's, are apostles and prophets still part of the day? There, there aren't apostles and prophets that established the New Testament church. Those apostle prophets had a special anointing to establish uh, the early church and decide what letters and what books you had to be either one of the apostles or close to them. If you're, and you had to, they had to check out to see if the word, if their, that letter fit the word of God, and it did. And so, we're, nobody's writing scripture anymore. We don't have apostles and prophets writing scripture, and it's going into the Bible anymore. But these gifts were given to each one of us. They're still alive today. We need them in the body of Christ. And what does the apostolic gifts do. It's Hebrews chapter 3. What did Jesus do? Let's look at it. Verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Isn't that cool? Jesus is called the apostle. It, he's the one. He's the one apostle means messenger, but we'll see that that function is the apostle is a builder. That function, verse 2. And he was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all of his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So it's saying, yeah, we they knew that Moses was the builder of that of that uh, tent of meeting, of that place of worship and how to work. Moses was the builder. It was built by God. God gave it all from heaven. Moses wrote it down, gave all the instruction. But he's saying, now Jesus is like that. He's the builder of his house. And we are his house. He's the builder. And somebody's got to do it. There's a kingdom out there, and this kingdom is growing. Who's going to be the designer? Jesus is the designer. He's the builder. He oversees all that's going on, and he puts it together. It's like in your own life, your life is constantly growing and changing. It's being put together. You want Jesus as your builder. He's your contractor, and he has you as his subcontractor. You are the carpenter. He's giving you instructions on what to do in building your life. And you're looking to him and putting it together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's, it's a passage that just unfolds this. It's 
Uh, it's kind of long, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 17, but I want you to hear it and, and hear the gravity of it to say, okay, I need to really take the responsibility of building my life. I'm going to look to Jesus and see how he builds, and then I'm going to walk behind him and do the same. And then this 1 Corinthians chapter 3, again, there's an issue of, of division in the body of Christ at this time. Uh, if you go and read early in, in the chapter, Paul is saying, uh, who, who's Paul, who's Apollos? Don't say, I'm of this leader and that leader, and there was division on leaders. No, listen, it needs to come together, and there needs to be unity. And verse 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building." According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master building, builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. So he's saying leaders will build one part and plant the seeds, and in other words, will grow the seeds, and, but it all works together. And he said, each one of us, and I want to say, of our own lives, we need to be careful how we build our lives. Verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Verse 15 If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. There's a lot in this passage right here, but I want to just point out a couple of things that are sticking out for me today. We have a choice what materials we choose in building uh, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We have gold, silver, and precious stones that when fire comes, actually purifies and makes it stronger, or wood, hay, and straw, which will make it just burn away. We need to ask God, what are those eternal things? Well, we're going to get into it today. It's four things. Uh, the ministry of prophecy, the ministry of evangelism, and of, of the shepherd and of teacher. These four things are your good building materials that'll last for eternity. That's what the apostle apostolic function does. It uses these four areas. And I feel like 2020 was like a burning away. We couldn't go out as much as we used to and have fun going out. We couldn't uh, go see our friends as much. We didn't do meetings as much at church. We, we don't meet in person in meetings. We do Zoom now. And uh, we didn't, sometimes some of us couldn't see our families as much. I mean, things were taken away from us that were used to, in our pattern of life, are regularly scheduled, and it was, it was burned away. It was taken away. And it all hadn't been restored yet. Our lifestyles are so vastly different. Things have been taken away. And, and so we're realizing, okay, well, you know, well, how am I going to build relationships? How am I going to grow spiritually? Because my connections with people are different than they used to be. How am I? And things are different. And so this is a rebuilding time right now. And I got it in my spirit, and I've seen it repeated other places, so I'm not copying anybody. But this concept of strengthening our foundations, I'm seeing it everywhere. 
pastors, leaders, we're sensing it, that our people need to get back to the basics of our faith to be sure we're doing the basics. We're going to look at Ford today because we, we, we don't know what's going to happen next. We need a foundation that won't be, uh, you know, affected by the next whatever comes, right? And so next week, I hope God willing to get more in the local church and how these things relate. relate. Today, we're focused on Jesus himself and us personally. Matthew is such an awesome book, and we're right on the verge when we get back into our chapter-by-chapter teaching in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. And that's chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's all read. It's Jesus speaking one long, intense message with a lot of depth to it. And near the end of that message is Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. One of the common illustrations that, that it's just so easy to, to put this in our minds. It says that Jesus is speaking, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be a, like a foolish man who bid his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. So here we are. We have a choice. How to build a house on the rock, on, with good materials, on a strong foundation, Jesus Christ. It's we participate as God builds us. Because we don't want to be like this house. Looks like that uh, those waves came in a little bit too far. And it was built on sand, so it, it wasn't going to take it. wasn't going to handle it. This next house is more like it. It's looking, it's looking pretty stable there. And those waves are not going to affect that house built on the rock. Now, you could be daring, and you could say, yes, I built my house on the rock, and do it something like this. On the next one. I'm talking about the next one. Here we go. I think it's real. It could be fake, but I think it's real. Look at that little ladder you got to climb up to get up in there. Probably no elevator inside that that boulder right there. It's on a rock. It really is on a rock, isn't it? So Jesus is the apostle. He's a builder. And he puts us together in a way to be a house built on the rock. And he's the prophet. And uh, what we find is that it was prophesied in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen, you will listen to him. And this verse is requoted in the book of Acts twice to describe who Jesus is. Jesus is that prophet that Moses spoke will be coming. He's uh, people in the gospel said, are you the prophet? Are you that prophet that, that was, we've been waiting on to come? And, and he was, you know, prophets of the Old Testament, 
when they entered a village or town, it was like, uh, you know, God just walked in the town. Because God's going to speak while that prophet is here. God's going to speak through that prophet. Well, they were just speaking by the Spirit of God, God's Spirit, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one speaking in the Old Testament, wasn't he? He is the prophet of prophets. And he brings the presence and the words of God wherever he goes. So let's look at another one, the next one. We have Jesus the apostle, the builder. Jesus the prophet who speaks and speaks for God. And he spoke as he saw his father leading him. And every word that came out of his mouth was the word of God, right? And we also have Jesus the evangelist. See, in Matthew 9, Jesus is looking out this crowd. He's been ministering to them. And this is what he says to his disciples. He said, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, Matthew 7, 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So he says to pray to me, the Lord of the harvest. He calls himself the Lord of the harvest. This is how he describes himself. This is who he is. And he says, hey, uh, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but pray for more workers in the harvest. But the workers are few. And he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. So that's one thing we can do in building our life. The ministry of prophecy is, God, speak. Speak to me. God uses prayer. God uses worship. God uses the gifts of the Spirit. These are ways that the Spirit of God gets to us His words. Often we're meditating on His Word. God speaks to us by His Spirit. That's the ministry of prophecy. That's one of the building stones. We have that in our life. Let me ask you, are you allowing God to speak to you? Because He's speaking. He wants to speak. Are you building your lifestyle? Are you build, Does your heart yearn? For him to speak to you, or can you go in the day and not even think about it because you're so busy or distracted or focused on other things, and you go to sleep and you don't even care whether he did or not, whether you were open to it or not. See, you're building your life. You're the builder here as uh, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest. Do we notice, like Jesus noticed, Look, there's, there's only a few workers, but look at the field, it's white. It's not, as we always say, it's such hard ground. Evangelism is hard, it's just hard to get anybody saved. Jesus says the fields are white for harvest, the workers are few. That's the issue. Pray for more workers in the field. Do we notice that? Do we pray that prayer? You know, Jesus and uh, the famous verse, John three sixteen, but there's also a verse 17. And put them together, it's this, for God so loved the world, that he gave his, his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the 
world might be saved through him. He is the Savior. This is his purpose. This is why he came. It's to save the world. We get so frustrated with the world. And, and oh, it's so frustrating. It's so tempting in the culture of the world. And that's true. We don't want to be of the world, but we want to be in it. Being an evangelist. Being a witness. And this is one of the building blocks that you must have if you want to grow in maturity, if you want to experience the fullness of Christ, if you want to uh, know what it is to grow up into him who is the head, then this heart of the Lord of the harvest going, oh Lord, we need more workers. Lord, I need to be in the field among the harvest. Aren't you glad the central ministry of Jesus is Savior, is salvation? Didn't it begin with you right there? Have you ministered, have you experienced the Savior and the ministry of salvation? That's where it all begins, right? Titus chapter 3 describes us. Starting at verse 3, it, it, it describes you and me as, For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were just foolish. We, we thought we were wise. We were wise in our own eyes, but we were deceived. We were disobedient. We only wanted to do our own thing. We weren't obedient to authority, good authority in our lives. We were deceived. We had blinders over our eyes. We walked about in pride and selfishness. We're, we were enslaved and in bondage to different lusts and pleasures, addictions in our lives that controlled us and we couldn't break we were spending our life in malice and envy with jealousies and, and anger and rage toward others. We were hateful, hating one another. This is just the normal human experience. This is just where we're at. But the ministry of evangelism happened for you and me. In verse 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that my salvation is not based on any good deeds I've done. And I used to say that as a teenager. Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm kind of staying in the middle of the road. I'm not doing too many bad things. I'm, that's just pride and deception. There's no good life out there that gets you into heaven, that brings you into life. It is completely the work of Christ. You becoming completely clean by the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice and us being free with his resurrection life. This is the ministry of the evangelist. You and I have benefited, benefited from this. It's alive in our life. We're saved question have you been saved by the savior if you haven't this is a great day to let this the evangelist hear this good news that it's simple it's you turning away from selfishness and your own sin and turning to god asking him to come into your heart confessing that this is sin that you don't want to be in bondage to anymore and you want him to be lord of your life it's simple. 
Let me ask you another question. Are you joining him in this ministry of the evangelist? Do you have the heart of the Lord of the harvest? How many times have you prayed, and I've prayed it, and I've heard it prayed, Lord God, please bring a believer along such and such path. Lord Jesus, bring a Christian, and may they cross paths that they see and hear the gospel. We're praying the same prayer Jesus prayed in Matthew 9. Lord, there's not enough workers. Lord, send workers in the harvest field of my family members. It's usually a family member when we pray that, isn't it? A loved one somewhere. Oh, God, please have mercy. Bring a believer across their path. You can be an answer to that mom's prayer. You can be that answer to the prayer of Jesus in Matthew 9. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus prayed it. Where they answer that prayer. And it's a building block, a stone that God wants us to have in our life if we're going to experience that fullness. We're missing out if we say, I don't want that kind of thing in my life. It's too, you know, find the evangelist leading you to how to be a witness, how to be a part of this work of the the harvest. Going to the next descriptive title in this list, it's, Often translations say pastor, some say shepherd. It's really the same. And we have a couple places in scriptures where we see what a shepherd is like. And of course, in that day and age, they had a lot of sheep and shepherd around, shepherds around. And those shepherds were with the sheep. They were in relationship with the sheep. They were with them. And they protected them. They made sure they got fed. They made sure that they were um, uh, healthy and, and they would correct them and would teach them and feed them. And the whole bit, that shepherd, it was a close relationship. So much so that the sheep would know that shepherd's voice. The shepherd walks with the sheep, verse 10 through 12. The thief comes, uh, chapter 10, verses 10 through 12, excuse me. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The ministry of the shepherd is one that is has long-suffering, has a longevity to it. Let's look at another piece of this shepherd's heart from Jesus. Verse, uh, math, back to Matthew 9, this time 35 and 36. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages and teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. See, he saw people and he saw the sheep scattered. And his heart was broken. It says he felt compassion. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. He had emotions. He felt compassion. His heart was broken by what he saw and his heart 
and, and his compassion moved him. He had just healed men. He was healed them and, and delivering them. Compassion turns into action. Compassion that just sits in the chair and go, oh, then that shame. Oh, I just feel for them. No, compassion moves you to action, moves you to pray and intercede for someone, moves you to pick up a phone and, and call them, moves them to text them, moves them to interact with, to do something in that person's life. The ministry of the shepherd walks with compassion with people. And when that prayer, faith was prayed, and, and we're trusting God to heal somebody, and, and, or the, they're going through a time of, of difficulty and challenge, and then uh, they leave here, uh, the church, and all that. Well, what if it doesn't happen right then? What if nothing changes? Who's going to be with them? Do we say, go, brother, sister, you're great. No, somebody's got to be with them. The Holy Spirit is with them. See, the ministry of the shepherd sticks close, even in suffering, either, even in pain. It's not scared of suffering. It's not care, scared of pain. It says, I've had enough. I'm out of here. No, I'm here. I'm holding your hand. I'm not giving up. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is a shepherd, and he's not going to leave you. He's faithful. And in the hard times, he's, he is with you, providing for you. And if, it's, if there's pain, he's not running off. He's either going to help you go through that suffering, or he's going to deliver you out of the suffering. Jesus is a good shepherd. And he does what's best for a sheep. How are you doing in caring for others? I ask you that question. How's your heart of compassion? How are you building your life on one of these four critical building stones? On the foundation We need help with that, don't we? Have God, give me your heart. Give me your compassion. I, 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 I'm too busy. I, I'm distracted. I, I don't seem to care. God, help me with your compassion. Let me see them like you see them. The last of these four building blocks is the teacher. And... When I meditate on this, I feel like, what, what, teaching what? Just teaching? No, it's teaching the word. Every time Jesus opened his mouth, it was the word of God. <laughs> hey, pass me the salt. <laughs> I don't know. Is that the word of God? I don't know. <laughs> That's some holy salt over there. That's some anointed salt. But when he taught, that was the words of God. We've got what we need written in red in our New Testament Bibles. And what he said was the word. John chapter 3 verse 2 says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so that was a title they gave him, was rabbi or teacher. Sometimes even master, because he's a master teacher. He's, he's a really good rabbi. Rabbi, they had these traveling teachers back then, get a following. And he had a massive following. He rocked the nation. 
he wasn't just a normal rabbi because he wasn't just wise with his words, but he confirmed it with healings and deliverances that, hey, this isn't just mere, you know, knowledge and insight. This is the power of God here. He is the teacher. He is the master. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So Jesus is the Word. So what's coming out of him as he's teaching is the Word. Um, let me ask you a question. Are you getting the Word in your life? Is it impacting your mind, your heart? your will on a daily basis? Are you reading it? Are you listening to it? Are you reading it again? Are you meditating on it? Are you studying it? Are you letting this, this critical building stone so you could grow in the fullness of Christ? Are you letting the word in? Jesus is perfect. And he said, for you to have this life, you're going to build, every man builds on a house, on your house. And I give you gifts. Each of you have grace here. I give you gifts from me. Lord, we want to receive you. We don't want to hold you. We want to receive all of you. You know, the Apostle Paul said that he, he, I think it was Ephesus, in fact, he was leaving, leaving Ephesus saying goodbye to the elders, and he said, I have a clear conscience because I taught the whole word of God to you. You see, he was saying, I didn't just focus on the prophetic. I didn't just focus on uh, evangelism. No, I focused on all of it. And I have a clear conscience that I was building uh, and I had to be careful how I laid on the foundation of Jesus. And, and, I, and, and I've taught the whole council. I have a clear conscience. I can go now. And I, you release me. I can go now. Jesus, we want to be like you. Yes, we're inspired by others and people, but we want to be like you. Next week, I, I want to get into this, how it applies to the local church and, and ministries of the local church. And I want to get into that. I, I think it'll be very insightful, even, even almost humorous once you think about it, sometimes how it unfolds. But Ephesians 2 verse 20 says, Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. And that cornerstone on a building is the first stone of the building. And all the other stones start from there and it sets the, the angle and it sets the position. It's the first stone laid. And you see on buildings sometimes, you know, a decorative like this up here and, the, and they'll proclaim Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. That'll be a church building or they might put the year uh, that the building was built or, or 
the dedicated the maybe someone who gave to whatever you know something significant and they'll put a decorative kind of cornerstone on there well Jesus is our cornerstone and he's perfect we want to be like him I'm asking you are you built how you build in your life take home these just four questions how you build in your life here are you thirsty for God to speak to you do we have a journal somewhere somewhere to record it when we sense God saying something and he's speaking to our hearts or through a scripture do you do you write it down Lord are you, are you thirsty what does it look like for you is there thirst there for God's speaking to you through prayer worship uh, the gifts of the spirit other ways number two are you a worker for the harvest that's the the phrasing Jesus used do you do you see there's few workers pray pray the Lord of the harvest to bring more are you are you one of those that are answered his prayer or that mother's prayer praying for a believer in their child's life does your heart care for people are you moved with compassion or feel compassion and willing to go there in, the, in their suffering. Lord, help us with that. We can't do this in our own strength. None of this is fruit that we can produce by just determination. Lord God, we come to you, our the apostle, the builder of our lives. No, oh God, I ask and help us with this for a hunger for God's word. Lord God, May it be our favorite food. May it be we get hunger pains for it when we get too busy and we're not meditating on your word, Lord. Maybe we yearn for it, Lord God. May we be consistent in eating your word, Lord God, and meditating on it. I'm going to let you just be with the Lord and let the Lord build you and you participate with him and follow him as Julia leads in this last song and then I'll uh, pray over you and dismiss uh, in just a moment I'm going to go ahead and ask those altar ministry team those if y'all could go ahead and come up here uh, to the side to have a room for prayer uh, for you uh, to get prayed for we have uh, online a phone number displayed. That phone number is available for 30 minutes uh, on Sunday mornings after the service. That's available uh, for you to call for any reason. Please utilize that. We see you as part of our family here. We're, we're glad that you're with us today. Lord, we yield to your Holy Spirit, the builder of our lives. Speak to us in this time.
be like you. You're perfect. You're holy. You do everything well, Lord God. There's grace for this this week. There's grace for this the rest of our lives. So thank you for that empowerment, Lord. Lord, I pray you protect us, Lord God. As we travel, we pray that you protect us, Lord, as we go into our week, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord God, for those in Texas still trying to get out of this freeze. Uh, without water and electricity, Lord, protect them, Lord God. Provide for them, rescue them, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray for those in our, who we know in our family, those who are close to us, Lord God. We pray the prayer you pray, Jesus, to send out workers in the harvest field this week. Lord God, Use us. Let us be one of those workers in the harvest field. That the ministry of the Savior, of evangelism, the ministry of salvation will happen before our eyes for your kingdom's sake. Amen. Have a great week. Feel free to stay as they continue to play the song. Feel free to go or hang out in the gathering place we have several people to help with your cars and get your cars for you uh, so don't feel like uh, don't don't get nervous about that we have people serving you there have a great week love you guys